What's up, hobby friends? Welcome back to Paint Break, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. All right, we got some fun hobby stuff to talk about yet again. Fun every time, I swear. Every time, every <laughs> dang time. Yeah. I tell you what. Yeah, we've been working on some hobby projects. We've got some, uh, some uh, not, not announcements, but like some stuff's going on in the YouTube world, which I think is pretty cool. And uh, a lot of other hobby stuff. So, Brent, what have you been doing the last couple of weeks hobby-wise? What, what you got going on? I present to you a game called Novus Malum, Novus. First Encounters. And if I remember correctly, that means new evil or something like that. That sounds right. Novus Malum, new evil, first encounters. So this is the first game coming out from a brand new company called Enviro Games Limited. And this is the first game company I'm aware of that has kind of made their whole shtick environmentally friendly gaming. Mm -hmm. And so... The the box that I got, um, and there's part of what we can talk about here is that there's a trade-off to all of this stuff. So this is a sure, company sure. based in England, and so I did pay for it to be shipped across the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, <laughs> you know that's not necessarily environmentally friendly. But uh, hey, like I, I, you know, I I paint miniatures instead of riding around on a jet ski, so that's. You're you know, there's trade-off to yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I paint miniatures, which are relatively small pieces of plastic compared to the yeah. the plastic of the outside paneling of a jet ski. Right, you know, right. So, and a worthwhile right. plastic that we're going to keep, display, not throw. Away. Cherish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's totally yes, different. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if my... My jet ski mechanic is like an environmentally conscious dude or not. Depends on if it's a two-stroke rider or a four-stroke rider. I don't know. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, I'll start with this. Like the, the package that came from Britain mm -hmm. is like a recycled paper envelope and very clearly made of recycled materials. And the box that the game that? came in. What? Some damage on that envelope? Like... Well, I ripped it open. Well, okay. It looks like shipping yeah. damage. I'm just, I don't know. Oh, no, no. That that was me ripping it open. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm I'm glad that I did rip it open because you could see the guts of the envelope is padded with, like, uh, scraps of paper instead of, you know, scraps of plastic. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not a bubble wrap protected envelope. It's a mm -hmm. paper lint protected envelope. Lots <laughs> protected. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then the... The box for the game, so this is a, it's like a skirmish miniatures game using kind of normal 30-ish millimeter scale minis. Nice. There's a force of 13 dwarves in there and 13 gnomes in there. Gnomes is spelled with a K. Gnomes. Gnomes, <laughs> yeah. So we can probably do a whole episode on that yeah, if you want. Killer gnome, gnome talk. Gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they are the bad guys. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Even so, better. <laughs> yeah. So we've got we've got we've got a whole little fantasy world built up for Novus Malum. So three thousand years ago, there was a great evil, and they they walled it off with a wall of mist, and the the wall is crumbling, and now there's like weird little evil gnomes coming out of the mist, or something like <laughs> and the that. The dwarves <laughs> gotta fight them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Sounds cool. I'm in. Let's do this. This is a classic, <laughs> classic, total classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like relatively small box for 26 miniatures in there. 26 miniatures, a rule book, the tokens for, okay. I, I read, I read the setting. Okay. I read, I read the lore <laughs> of Novus Malum. <laughs> yeah. I did not read the rules of Novus Malum. Just want to, want to be real clear on that. So there are tokens mm -hmm. or like status something. effect type. Thing. I guess you didn't read it. I don't know. Is that what I it couldn't says tell on the you. token? I couldn't. <laughs> it's more like pictures and shapes on the tokens. Okay, okay. But the point is that the tokens are MDF, like laser cut circles of MDF with whatever the, the picture of the status effect or otherwise Some etched onto thing, the token yeah. that way. And so they're, the the only plastic in the box is the plastic of the miniatures themselves. They're, they're CO cast, and we can talk more about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's little circles of MDF are also the bases. So okay. there's like 13 smaller MDF circles for the gnomes and 13 bigger ones for the dwarves. And, uh, I, I had never actually used an MDF base before. Oh, okay. And, you know, honestly, even in their instruction book not the instruction book in the in the full-on rule book yeah they use plastic bases like they use they just had them from either either gw yeah. or knockoff gw bases yeah. for the pictures in the rule book but and obviously we have those mm -hmm. but i as like okay well, you know when in rome use mdf bases <laughs> for your gnomes yeah gnome rome yeah <laughs> when in gnome okay it's not getting better nope just leave that by the side of the road uh yeah so we got uh a cute little rule book here with with there's some good pictures in there open mm -hmm. up to some random pages there's art in there there's there's rules it looks nice so it's a yeah. it's a full-on skirmish game the, the they tell me that their book is printed with aqueous renewable non-plastic inks or something i don't know plant water mm -hmm. plant water yeah printed <laughs> with pure pure plant water and uh yeah i actually uh talked with with two of the four people who who run this company or earlier this week and um yeah just try to try to get the the vibe of what it is that they're doing over at enviro games mm -hmm. And, you know, I asked him, like, what what in the current gaming industry, I mean, I phrased it, what, what like, pisses them off the most, but, like, what's the, the lowest hanging fruit? Like, where where does optimization need to be made? And and their answer was, like, they're, they're trying to do everything in an iterative way. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they're running a game company. They are trying to run it to be a profitable game company. And then kind of within that, for each of these items, they're looking, okay, how do we make our packaging? How do we make our models? How do we make this? How do we make that? And then for kind of for each category, figure out what a low impact way to fulfill that need is. Mm -hmm. And then also keep an open mind of what are some alternatives to that? Like if, the, if, if they can continue to, to iterate and go from you know, one type of box to another type of box. Like they, 
when we were having a little chat, they were actually a little down on themselves for the, the stickers that were on the box. So it's like a, a box of recycled cardboard. Right. And, you know, it's the, the typical light umber color of recycled cardboard. <laughs> yeah. And then on top they have a, a, sticker. a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. And they were they were like, okay, it looks it looks good. They were like a little down on like just the, the technology of the of the sticker. Yeah. And hey, if if that's what they're beating themselves up over, like they're probably doing pretty well. <laughs> right. Like if that's <laughs> like they're trying, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and just real quick here, I'll I'll pop open the little box. Um and that was so, that was something they were talking about too, is just they wanted to make a relatively small box so that shipping mm-hmm. you know, cost both in money and in like you know environmental cost or whatever yeah. is is relatively low um but pop it open here and the the way that they package things within the box are envelopes mm. so the bits for each miniature are in a little paper envelope mm-hmm. instead of you know a plastic bag or something like that and they do, they do pop off the, uh, the minis from the sprues. Yeah. In in their headquarters, I think just one of their houses. Probably. But yeah. in their yeah in their in their little headquarters, these guys all have like full time jobs. So it, okay. for mm-hmm. four people getting together to run a a game company on the side, but yeah, in their in their home or whatever, they pop these off the sprues because the the CoCast sprues are recyclable. Yeah, and so the idea is that at least that is not going to waste. Um, and yeah, they put them in recyclable paper envelopes to keep the gnome heads separate from the dwarf heads, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just it was just kind of cool because like I uh, I've been working on the dwarves is what I've been working on recently, and yeah, the. Kind of, you take the dwarves out of their envelope and and glue them together, and then all you're left with is like a small pile of recycled paper envelopes. It's like, okay, I'm not really accumulating any trash here, mm-hmm. so I'm going through on this project. And I don't know, like it in the grand scheme of things, nothing we do in this hobby causes me a lot of guilt in terms of the right. environmental impact. It's, it's other other than small. flying to Adepticon. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the traveling, the shipping, all of those things. But I mean, those are going to happen regardless. You know, whether yeah. you're on that plane or not, it's going there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Planes be traveling to O'Hare Airport. <laughs> yes. That's going to happen one way or the other. But Yeah, exactly. Um, and those, those, yeah, the, the shipping boats and planes and trucks are trucking and boating and planing regardless. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to remember to say is, like, I read through the rule book, and there are plenty of worm, words like gnomes in this wor- rule book, but the word recycle, enviro, eco, whatever, there's no... There's no, uh, there's no green piece in this book. This is all I'm trying to say. Like this, this okay. is entirely, entirely a fantasy game and a fantasy rule book. And okay. unless there were some some deep allegories that I haven't like, taken the time to understand, like, cane like gnomes it's, aren't like trash goblins or something. They're, they're not, right. Yeah. Right. 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 The, the mist yeah, is like, smog and LA. Is that, yeah. 
Yeah, I got to do some consideration whether that's yeah the the smog in LA is breaking up and the weird gnome is coming out <laughs> exactly. of the the evil blasted lands. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just me being dense, but on my first read through, I didn't clue into any grand allegory that's gonna yeah. propagandize its way into your head. Like this is, it's just a fantasy game. It's, a game, it's just yeah. a fantasy skirmish game. People are just as far as I know, it's a decent fantasy skirmish game. Right, but it's it's. All all of the environmentally conscious stuff is in how it's fulfilled and how they get it to you, mm -hmm. and the uh, the game itself is is just a little fantasy game. So yeah, all right. that's cool. Right. Um, I mean, I assume you're not going to read the book, but you know, if you do, I read the lore and looked at the pictures, and uh -huh. you know, there's there's some rules in there. There's definitely some rules in there. Yeah. Um, oh, also, they it works on a D6 system, but they did not include a D6 in the box because, like, you have oh, no. you have D6s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're buying a weird niche skirmish game for the miniatures hobby, you have dice. Yeah. You have D6. Unless it's one of those weird ones where they they do the step up system on like D14s. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have a 14, 15, 16. I don't have those. Old DGS free blades. <laughs> as fun as it is, I don't have those dice. So yeah, I hope they're included. They're not. No, no. Yeah. Speaking of being recyclable, uh, I have this old Necromunda box that I've been working on, and I'll talk about it a little bit more. But I, I was just realizing, like, you open it up, the old, it's all styrofoam. Sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is pretty neat, honestly. Um, it just kind of has like a cool feel to it that you don't mm -hmm. get. And I, I imagine it's for a lot of the same reasons. It's like, yeah, that styrofoam looks brand new. Like the day it was made. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Has, <laughs> hasn't degraded a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, even, not even a little bit. No. Yeah. Uh, that That's... <laughs> That'll be as good as new 10,000 years from now. That's what I like about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's why I bought it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, have you painted any of these uh, these these K-gnomes? Gnomes, no, but I'm actually almost done with 12 of the 13 dwarves. That's pretty good. So there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's six crossbow dwarves and there's six hammer and shield dwarves. Ooh, okay. And um, yeah, in a lot of ways, they're pretty classic takes on them yeah, but the sculpts yeah. look good mm -hmm. so it's it's co cast and we've talked about that before mm -hmm. it's a small scale alternative to metal is is really what it's replacing yeah although the quality is still I, I mean i'd say that the actual quality of the sculpts is still up there with a lot of plastic oh yeah yeah no the the crispness uh and the amount of detail that you can get in these is pretty dang yeah, high yeah and so the the faces and actually the chainmail links on the dwarves mm -hmm. in particular is really good nice like the it's kind of a weird thing to say but the the pattern of the chainmail uh -huh. on these dwarves is kind of the most obvious thing you're like oh look at that like the the molds work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, thinking back to the the green stuff sculpted goblins right. or green stuff sculpted dwarves, like the old metal dwarves yeah. from Warhammer oh, yeah. Fantasy. You know, the the chainmail there is somebody with a a pencil tip, right. or, you know, whatever the sculpting the tool is, like yeah. folk, folk, <laughs> folk, like doing each each bit of chainmail this way, and you know, on these to look at it, like okay, that's that's clearly digitally sculpted yeah but there's the it seems like there's actually an interlocking ring pattern there oh okay uh, in the actual texture and it's very very fine very crisp and so that part's cool so the the amount of detail that they're getting out of these seocast sculpts very high i will say that they cleaning them up is not so good so they've apparently they've been using I don't know if it's 50-50 or, or some other mixture, but they've been using a combination of the old CO-cast soft with the newer CO-cast hard. Yeah. So I, they're just kind of mixing those pellets together, melting them down, casting the models. And the the thinner bits definitely have some flex to them. Like, they're definitely very durable models. Mm-hmm. But cleaning up mold lines is not good. Like, it's... Yeah. It... it you can't scrape them the way that you can with polystyrene models, hard plastic models. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I went around trying to slice the mold lines off with a with a sharp hobby knife. Ooh. And I got some of them, but <laughs> some of them either I, I you know went too deep and I left a divot in the plastic because it's soft enough that it is pretty easy to just like cut cut halfway into yeah. the, the crossbow or, oh, or whatever. Um and so, yeah, my my cleanup job on these models isn't great. They they have more mold lines remaining than I like to see on my models, yeah. and partially that's me learning how to work with this material. But I think partially, you know, everybody's going to see that with this material. Yeah. I mean, so. the, the CO cast hard didn't feel like that. It, it definitely was much easier to get mold lines off. I haven't had any issues with any of that stuff. I seem to remember, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, but I seem to remember something about different types of CO cast and the level of recyclability or like how much they could use in a, in a new mix hmm. of that. And I wonder if maybe they're using more of the old stuff because they might, it's maybe more of the offcuts from some of the other projects that were more recyclable. That's so, possible. Yeah, that, that might be why they're going with more of that mixture and not just the straight yeah. up hard stuff. Yeah. I, I should have pressed them harder on that. I, did, I didn't get a clean answer on exactly why they were going with CO-cast kind of hard. Right. Like, Cause it is, a, yeah. that's a weird choice, right? Cause you yeah, know, if you've worked yeah. with it, it's like, well, I would prefer the other stuff, but I swear, yeah. I remember talking to somebody about that and the recyclability of the different types and how much they could use in the machines. Hmm. So I don't know. I could be totally off on that, but it's where it's rattling up there somewhere. Like there. There's got to be a reason for why they're using a 50, 50 mix. Like you have, uh-huh. you have access to both types. And I think, I think they, they are more durable than the hard. Like if you, if you drop them from a height, I think yeah. they're more likely to survive the, the drop than if it was sure. cast hard. Sure. Uh, but in terms of the ability to to clean up mold lines, it's it is in between, but it's 
close enough to seal casts off to make it annoying. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're cutting in and, and doing it. Yeah. I think I've also come to the conclusion recently that there are just there there are just some models that that's how they're going to be and to just not even try. Don't even try mm. to, to, like, maybe remove a mold line if you can, like, cleanly, but otherwise, I don't know. It's it's not worth doing, so... I, I guess it's it's what your expectations are for the models as like what's your end goal, right? If, if you're talking sure. about a thirteen model skirmish team of six and six of basically the same models, um, like are you really gonna be super concerned that they're perfectly clean on the table? You know what I mean? Are you gonna play for forty five minutes and put it back in the box for a month or something? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's kind of the point I got to. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my, my painting standard on these, actually, it's the first time I've used an oil wash in a long time. Like, I just yeah. did a like, a, like, a pretty good base coat and then just threw a black oil wash all over everything and uh, got him. We, we got him. There's my, my dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My dwarves, I think it's of Anvil Keep. I'm trying to remember. It's, it's a very classic dwarf in yeah. name. Hold on. It sounds classic-y. Yeah, Anvil Keep. Yeah, it's the... <laughs> okay, it's the Gnomes of Gnarlwood. Ooh. The Gnomes of Gnarlwood. With a K the or a G? Is a K, right? K, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah dude. <laughs> and I, I haven't gotten really to work on the Gnomes yet, but the... I think they might be the winners of of the line so far. Like the mm -hmm. faces of the gnomes is really good. Yeah, and these they've got these stupid little goatees and everything, Ooh, and they've got like spiked goatees. hair and headbands. <laughs> and yeah, they got any good. like pointy gnome hats or anything, or is this mostly spiky hair? No, no, it's it's like a lot of like spiked gray hair. Right. So like the, gray World, World of Warcraft gnomey looking people. Not that they look the same, but that kind of like hair hair was a big deal. Not so much hats. I don't. I'm. I'm struggling to describe them. Like the okay. the the gnomes is closer to being an independent thing. Okay. Like the, okay. The dwarves of Anvil Keep. They look like dwarves of Anvil Keep. <laughs> this is this is a podcast. It's an audio format. Everyone listening right now knows what the dwarves yeah. of Anvil Keep look at. Yeah. Look like. I haven't yeah. seen them. I'm pretty sure I. I know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> um. The one slightly cool thing about these dwarves is the design of their shields mm -hmm. the design of their shields um is, is almost like a like a puzzle piece like they're they're in the way that there's a divot on one and an extension on the other so that it, it, they're obviously made to like overlap oh okay. like you can yeah. see that like oh yeah these are meant to like link in together mm -hmm. for a dwarven shield wall or whatever yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I get it i get it okay and that's the only notable design feature on the dwarves there's six crossbow dwarves of anvil keep keep six hammerer dwarves of anvil keep and the the hammerers have a kind of unique shield design that's meant to like you know the shields link together and they form the yeah. dwarven shield wall but the the gnomes i mean you'll see design elements from a bunch of different things in the gnomes but the gnomes are closer to being like all right enviro games has their <laughs> yeah their, their killer app, the, the Gnomes of Gnarlwood. Yeah, real good. Very nice. <laughs> uh, are you going to paint up the other 
the other half of the box then or you, you just, I think so yeah. I think so yeah so it's yeah six crossbows six hammers and then like the leader of the dwarves yeah and then it's the same sort of thing for the the gnomes I think there's six with spears six with bows and then a leader of the gnomes is like a little little sorcerer gnome sorcerer Ooh, okay but yeah the the seal cast mold seems to have done a really good job on the heads of the gnomes mm-hmm. like there's a lot of character in there nice. and so i was i was kind of trying to rush through the dwarves so that you eat my vegetables so then i can right <laughs> get into those gnomes <laughs> yeah take take a little more time yeah, 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 yeah. So, like I said, I did just a basic undercoat on the dwarves, and then I just hit them with a black wash, black oil wash. Mm-hmm. And man, that'll do it, though. And man, normally that's that's a little <laughs> too much, letting the oil wash take the wheel, and a little, a little too messy for the way I often like to paint. But they're pretty much done now, and I'm at the phase where I need to pop them off of their temporary bases. Mm-hmm. I I have some plastic bases that I use over and over again as like temporary bases when I'm painting. Yeah. And I did get their their MDF bases. I put some texture paste on there. I stuck some rocks into the texture paste. I, I painted up the bases. And I am right at the phase where I need to pop the dwarves onto their new bases and see how they look. And uh I don't know. We can we can do a little segment on yeah on sub assemblies of whether you paint on the base or off the base. You wanna yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, wanna jump into that? Um, yes. I'm gonna take a step back so that we, we get caught up, and that yeah, way let's we do both that. we both have models that make sense for this conversation. All right, um, lead us in. So I kind of I kind of alluded to the uh, this Necromunda box that I have. Uh, it's 1992 Van Sar Gang. Like the old metal chonky boys uh, in stealth suits um, were sent in to me, which was pretty cool, um, just kind of randomly. Uh, and I really wanted to just paint them up. So that's what I've been working on mostly. And I went ahead and decided to cut them off of their, their little standees, you know, mm-hmm. um, and put them on base toppers. So I printed out a bunch of like, you know, underground metal, cool looking base toppers, which I still think is a really good idea. Base toppers in general, um, you know, for $3, I think I paid for like 12 different ones that, you know, look mostly similar, a little bit different here and there. And you just print them out and glue them to the top of the base that you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of using like the modeling compound or, little extra bits and all the things like just I've been I've been really into it because they're super quick prints and you just glue them down and I like that a lot um and I ended up for these after I cut off all the standees I sanded all the feet down to make them flat I decided okay because this this is part of this conversation right is when do you actually put the model on the base because a lot of the times we end up gluing the models to the bases setting them aside and that's how you finish your assembly but when it comes to like textured bases or different types of things, you might want to leave them off. Well, in this case, I glued them on and now I'm regretting that. Like I've actually finished basically painting all the models. And I'm kind of like, man, I, I need to like pull these off now. 
because uh, I want to like paint cool stuff on the bases and make them look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to pop them all off and do that. But that leads to problems on its own that I think you've been running into. Yeah, it's a trade-off. So in general, I think more of my models, I glue the model onto the base and I paint it all at once. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those questions of how much sub-assembly do you want to do? Yeah. This is one of the times where I actually did them separately. Mm-hmm. I've got my, my dwarves on temporary bases, painting them up separately. And the nice thing about that is that makes painting the bases so much faster <laughs> and easier. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, slap the texture paste on there, sprinkle some rocks, let it dry, take it down to the airbrush. You don't need to worry about hitting boots and ankles or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, you can spray them all up together. You can dry brush them together, hit them all with washes. And so I've got 13 gnome bases, 13 dwarf bases. I just did them all in the same colors, did them all at once. And, you know, each one of those steps only takes a couple of minutes Yeah, to get yeah. all the bases done. It's it's very efficient if you, you're not working away your way around boots and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now being able to being able to just like you know assembly line out bases is a pretty satisfying process because especially sure. if you're yeah, yeah you're dry brushing washing that kind of thing man you can knock out some bases so quick and they like they look good just sitting there they're only little projects all on their own they're just sitting there and just like oh I, I actually painted something and it looks cool uh, I don't know I do that a lot and then I'm kind of like I don't want to I want to put anything on it now it looks it looks good <laughs> yeah. So the the drawback for me is that I like the context of painting both the base and the mini yeah. to make sure that they look good together. And in this situation, I, I happened to prime the dwarves silver. Mm-hmm. Or I, I actually primed them black, but like the what I did with the airbrush yeah, was just I got a nice coat of silver. Coat, yeah. yeah, I got my, my silver base coat on there. And then... What that means is that the temporary base that these dwarves are on has just been silver throughout the entire time I'm painting these dwarves. And that offers me zero useful context in terms of how the colors of the base and the miniature are going to play off of each other. Um, Actually, it's probably pretty dang misleading just to have a giant block of silver. It is. If if you have a lot of armor on there, then you're you're thinking, man, there's just so much silver on this model. I got to break that up. Yeah. But maybe you don't. Yeah. Yeah, even even when you're trying to think past that, like subconsciously, it completely changes things. Or even just the base rim being a bright silver instead of <laughs> a, a black, yeah. like it it changes the the framing and the context of the miniature. And I don't want to say that makes it harder to paint. Like it's it's easier to paint because you don't have to worry about getting <laughs> whatever green trim on your gray rock yeah, that you've already painted for you know? sure. Yeah, but. I think I think it does like mentally throw you off though, and maybe you don't even notice it. Um, but I I definitely have that problem with especially the metallics, and maybe that's why because it's so bright. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know when you paint a model that has mostly armor on it or something, there's a lot of single blocks of color, and usually you want to break those up, right? You put a little gold in between these two silver parts or bronze or whatever. But if your base is silver, you're gonna be thinking there's a lot more of this color than I think there should be. And you might end up making decisions that cost you time, you know, 
that where you didn't necessarily need to spend that time. I think it's it's definitely relevant and like might even be worth just painting it black before you start. So that's something I've definitely done is even when I have a temporary base, I've taken the time to go and change the color of the temporary base. Yeah. And, and oftentimes it is black or I think there was a project where I was doing 30 uh, Blood Angel Space Marines and I was painting them on separate bases. And I did go through and <laughs> with a paintbrush change all 30 <laughs> of their base colors from the the red of the you know the preparation to just a weird green that was going to be more similar to their final base color. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that makes sense. I've, I've had that actually the same issue with blood angels. Cause you, uh -huh. yeah, you have a red base all of a sudden you're like, man, this is just too much. Like I, yeah. I can't get this to be more contrasty, you know? Right. Right. So in terms of assembly line logic, it makes a ton of sense to do the bases separately, do the models separately at the very end glue one on top of the other yeah like that that makes a ton of sense but the trade-off or one of the trade-offs is that while you're going through the process of painting them especially especially if you're coming up with a paint scheme as you're going yeah you won't have the the, the knowledge of knowing what those two elements look like together mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> actually while i was painting these dwarves i did a couple of them ahead of the others just to get an idea of what my basic scheme was going to be like yeah, yeah. and actually a couple of times i snapped them off of their temporary bases <laughs> to put them on my current version of of you know the bases bases yeah and uh, i was like mm, basis the base is too bright need to darken this down a little <laughs> bit and so i ended up putting like a couple extra dark washes on the base to try to make them in the right direction yeah but yeah I still don't know what these like. I'm, I'm half an hour away from actually knowing what any of these models are going to look like. I have a pile of bases. I have a pile of models on weird silver temporary bases, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm so close. I'm going to know soon whether or not <laughs> Is need to work? throw these in the trash and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. No good. Yeah. yeah. yeah throw these away with the rest of my styrofoam in here yeah, yeah. start a trash can fire for all my plastic unwanted plastics mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, i think because i i think I, I go maybe half the time where the model is on the base and i paint the base with the model so all the colors get mixed in then i have to go in and you know fill it in and try and dry brush around things or add wash without getting it on the model or whatever um and that's fine, but I, I think the way that I end up getting around this issue is by using something uh, like a pigment powder. Hmm. Almost every time that I, I do this, it's like, okay, well, what's the thing that, regardless of how the base is and how the model is, like, what, what how is this going to unify, right? So if, if you use a pigment powder, even if it's just dark brown or something, like that color is now on both of those things and it pretty much just pulls it together at least most of the time for me. Fair. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think that's a, a good workaround for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a really good point to, to do a little blood blending and unification, the pigment powder that makes sense. I'm normally more on the side of going for like a color harmony between my model and my bases 
So I normally want them to be different, but to work well together. Sure, sure. And so one of the nice things about doing them separately is that you're not getting brown from the boots on the rocks of the base. You're not getting the color of the rocks onto the brown of the boots. Like that, yeah. that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's a matter of finding out at the very end what your model actually looks like. Yeah. And especially if you're feeling your way through the paint scheme as you go. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if this is, if this is your third regiment of skeleton warriors and you know very well <laughs> what their bases and their, their bones are going to look like, yeah, then yeah, yeah you <laughs> glue with it, glue all them bits to pieces of cardboard and have at it. Like, you, you know what to right, do. Yeah. You don't need me. You don't need me <laughs> telling you what colors to use. Um, but on models where you don't necessarily know where it's all going to end up, mm -hmm. you know, a little, little extra element of chance there, just putting the final pieces together at the end and finding out what happens. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, even after I painted uh, these Necromunda guys, like I... I put silver down on their on their bases because it's supposed to be you know metal floors and all this stuff um i'm finding that there just isn't like i i can't really put pigment powder on these metal floors and make that make sense i guess to like a little bit of rust in. i don't know yeah, a little yeah. bit of rust probably and, and i'm gonna... industrial chemicals like <laughs> yeah. a enemy at the gates or like a guy has blue chemicals on his shoes where's he been oh the giant pile of blue chemicals that's where he's been did you say enemy at the gates yeah yeah i think i can't remember which character it was either ed harris figures out that somebody's been next to the pile of blue chemicals oh, yeah, okay, or somebody yeah, saw yeah. that on his boots yeah they're all very clever in that, in that this movie. is very very clever very clever <laughs> it's a clever movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I used to watch that movie all the time. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a good like movie. The, yeah, it's actually a pretty good inspiration for all of the Imperial Guard faction, and yeah. also <laughs> I don't know, like it just war gaming in general. Yeah, build build yourself a little Stalingrad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got off on my blue chemicals. And... <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah, I'm, I don't know, like the, where I'm at with these bases right now is like, I want to put freehand on the base and I want to do the, you know, the, like the, the old box, the old Necromunda boxes all have the sweet caution stripe patterns, the black yeah. and yellow. And mm -hmm. like, there are sections on these that were obviously sculpted to have that on there. Mm. And it's like, I don't want to, I'm just going to pop them off and, and do all that and go back. That's much easier separately. Yeah. Yes, that that is much easier. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm 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 not going to try and do that while they're on here. I don't want to take an extra like hour per model to to paint a couple of stripes, you know. Yeah, careful not to hit the ankles. Yeah, exactly. Get it straight. Well, and, don't and hit all the ankles, models, yeah. right? So the way that I'm I'm painting them, essentially I'm just painting like striking scorpions. They're like brighter than what's on the box. They're still a green and yeah. the same kind of colors that they generally have, but I went super bright with them. Uh, yeah. And well, I'm looking at uh, the sculpts for the Vansar yeah. right now. I brought that up. So these are the, the old metal Necromunda models, Vansar. Yeah. They're, man, to me, they look like futuristic 
Katachan warriors. They're like yeah. beefy combat dudes, except they have tons of futuristic bits all over them, and their guns look a little bit better. They um, they do look a little bit better. Although there is one dude that has like, uh, oh okay, there's a couple of them. They have like these weird assault rifles, and they're just like really thick, like mm. really thick. Like no nobody's hand is gonna fit that. Um, yeah, I'd rather have that than a bent rifle, though. That's that's a good point. Some of these are bent, though. Just, okay. just like just, just best a of both little worlds. Bit. Just th- yeah. this is 1992. We're talking about this is very early days. Like, uh, yeah, mostly metal. In fact, I think almost all metal, all the time, uh, all hand sculpted green stuff. Like, you can tell too. Uh, some of the heads are a little bit kind of squishy. Like, uh, especially the ones that are, like, looking down the sights of the overly large guns. They kind of, I, mm-hmm. it feels like they took the sculpt. And they're just like, no, you got to bend its head over. They just squished it into the side of the, <laughs> the rifle. It's like, yeah, now look, look at him. He's looking down the scope. See? It's like, why is his head slimmer and taller now? <laughs> it, it has that kind of, like, uh, I'm going to call it charm. Or it call it. I believe that explanation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe, <laughs> like, I believe the explanation of there's a head that maybe it was intended it'll be looking down the barrel and then they, they look at the mini when it's finished and it doesn't quite line up. Right. And you're like, uh, we need to get that, that eyeball a couple <laughs> millimeters more over the site and, uh, uh we'll just, uh, squeeze that in there. In there yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely feels like that in, in a lot of ways, like these older models like that and like normally i really like like the old metal models um i think some lines of models just are are better than others i think these are probably the the least refined i want to say like there's some really cool lines in a lot of this like the, the suits they have on are really cool little pieces of armor stand out nicely like straps and that kind of thing um they have tons of like really tiny tubes on them uh, which is is kind of nuts. Like you just don't see that as much in the way that these are done. Um, and yeah, their heads are their heads are all a little bit funky. Like like somebody was definitely using some fingers to just mash them around. <laughs> um, they're they're definitely the models where you you know the, you can paint the eyeballs in, but they're never going to be quite right. So I don't know, I'm just I'm wanting to make the bases a little better to maybe distract from that a little bit there you go yeah 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 so on the topic of eyeballs i think there are times where you say these eyes aren't getting painted Mm -hmm. these are just getting the the dark wash on the face yeah and you get the idea yeah Uh, is there there is the the very good point that if you look at a person from a distance their eyes just kind of look like dark orbits. Yeah. Like the, the the idea that you're actually able to see the glint in somebody's eye when relative to you, they're an inch tall, is, is not actually realistic. That's, that's not real. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so there are times where you can just write off the eyeballs. We're getting a dark wash in the, in the orbits of, of the eyes on the face. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what I did in my dwarves. I think I think, I think my dwarven leader I might paint his eyes, but for my 
my, my 12 other dwarves of anvil keep yeah, yeah they're just getting a, a black wash over <laughs> over their skin <laughs> you're like black well, wash it is where it is over there yeah done uh, actually that was occasionally like a black oil wash over the skin like for some reason man it just like black lines just right and it's like oh i, I didn't even have to do anything it's so cool. it turned it turned out pretty well in this situation yeah. Like I said, the chainmail itself was really good and really good on its own and took the wash, obviously, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the models took the wash okay, too. So it's wonderful. Yeah. It's good. I, I also use black oil wash on these, these models. Mm. I'm pretty happy about that because I like black oil washes. It preserves all my nice colors. Pretty much, pretty much. I did use one relatively light Caucasian flesh tone on a couple of the dwarves, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yep, black wash right on over that. Yep. And uh, yeah, close enough. Yeah, pretty <laughs> so. much, yeah. <laughs> like I have footage of me jamming black oil wash into a couple of these dudes' faces, so yeah. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Now, I actually ended up using the flesh wash for most of these guys. Okay. Um, and it's like I've I've really come to the point where almost all the models I paint now, I don't use uh, flesh washes. I just I don't I don't like the way that it looks. I'd much rather paint those details in. I mean, I certainly could have mm-hmm. on these, but um, definitely a few of them, like I said, did that kind of thumb to the head look. Uh, just made it funky, and so I was just like kind of. Mm gave it a nice like i used some of the gloss flesh wash like a little bit mixed in with the regular um so that that lower surface tension definitely helped and so it's like it's they've got it in their eye sockets they've got it around the nose and the mouth and like it looks pretty good so okay yeah it actually worked out decently um yeah and they're they're just funky looking models so whatever We did an episode a couple of weeks back on when is a mini not worth your time. Yeah, yeah. And there are definitely minis where it's like, it's not worth as many hours right. as this other mini that I have is. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm still seeing too many mold lines on this. Or, you know, if you look closely, the face is squished and it would be very good to make this not look stupid. So, yeah. Let's let's make it look stupid as quickly as possible. It's kind of it's kind of where I'm at too. It's like I left the faces for last, and like I like the way that I've painted these models, but at the same time, where where I want them to look good, right? These were sent in. Yeah, to me. somebody gave yeah. me these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still want them to be at, at least a level where I can paint. I think there are nine of them. You know, in a couple of days. Uh, mm-hmm. and then put them with the rest of the models that are in the box, right? And I didn't spend a massive amount of hours painting the rest of those models, except for the uh, the Goliaths, like the big dudes with the Mohawks. Yeah. Like, I, I spent some time on a couple of those. They look, they look pretty rad, just because just they were they're ridiculous. They are ridiculous. Yeah. I, have, I have one of the old plastic Goliaths, and big old muscles, yeah, yeah Mohawks, like a lot of stuff you can do with that. Yeah, well, and they were um, plastic too. Yep. Yeah, I think. Yep. I mean, they have metal ones too, but the ones I have are plastic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you look at a sculpt though, and you're like, okay, you're 
you're not holding up your half of the bargain here. Like if <laughs> yeah, you're exactly, yeah, if you're gonna half-ass this, maybe so will I. Yeah, that's yeah. It all it almost does feel like that too. Like <laughs> it's weird. Like uh, having a lot of mental models, and, and especially more recently, buying even more. Like there is something about metal models that just says it's okay. You don't have to try that. <laughs> like we know what this is. Yeah. You know, get get those colors down. Don't don't yeah. paint my eyes. It's fine. The artist only had a couple hours before the green stuff hardened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't don't spend any more than that on actually painting the model. That yeah, all yeah. be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think there's there's a handful of metal models I've spent some good amount of time on, but for the most part, it's like I I'm just gonna I'm not going into the plan, you know, like these these big beefy pieces of metal. Just that, that's a gun. I'm gonna paint gun colored. That's that's mm-hmm. what it is. That's fine with me. Um, and the, I mean the thing is like they 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 inherently have their own look to them. Right? They they just look the way they do. And it almost doesn't matter the way that you paint them. They just are going to look like that. So, I mean, even the, even on the box for most of these models, like they look derpy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like here's like heavy metal painters. And it's like, those eyes are not good. <laughs> like nobody tried. Nobody tried this. I, I'm not going to do better than that. And that is not good. <laughs> Well, that was the early days of heavy metal, they had different standards, I think. That's yeah. fair. That was very fair. Um, even to that point, yeah. those eyes are not good on the box. Maybe somebody can do a better job, but it's not me. <laughs> fair. Fair. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't have the modern tools we had. They were trying to do everything with chestnut ink back then. Like, they, That's true. they had what they had. Yeah. I mean, bring back that chestnut ink though yeah for sure yeah for real <laughs> i wouldn't mind that no 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 yeah I'm, I'm looking for a good excuse to to bust out some old paints from that era i've got a handful of them cool i haven't used them they're just sitting there waiting still good too so well, there's your there's a YouTube challenge video. There you go. eBay miniature rescues paint edition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Old model and old paint. Old model, older paint. You workshop it. Yeah, I, I know what you mean though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the damn titles. So what what's the conclusion then? Like, uh, I guess it's not it's not like there's a right answer. What was the question exactly? <laughs> that's how far we've come um no it's like sub assemblies for your for your base and your minis like what what do you prefer or does it even matter yeah and and i mean there's this whole other layer of the you know slot of bases like slot of bases uh-huh. for metal models ordinarily i definitely would glue those to the base yeah, first yeah. and and work around the ankle issue um you you have elected to yeah. because you're using yeah the, the 3d print space toppers you've mm-hmm. decided to cut the slot off of your slot of models i usually do and... honestly okay yeah. okay yeah yeah um anyway there, there there are some situations where like yeah okay that 
it should be glued onto the base first. Mm-hmm. There's there's also an issue, this is, may just be a personal pet peeve of mine, if you are going to glue your model onto the base and then you're going to add texture paste or something like that, texture paste or sand or something to the base, it's a pet peeve, it kind of annoys me, the idea that the boots are now sitting Under, yeah. like three inches <laughs> in into the dirt. Yeah. Or, or that your your dwarf of Anvil Keep is so heavy that his boots have just sunk four inches into the earth. Yeah, yeah. Every time he takes a step. Uh-huh. And, you know, models are sculpted so that the feet don't get extra height. You're not on lifts for the purpose of, like, yeah. taking up some of the, the texture room. So there have been a few times when I've put spacers under mm. the boots. Okay. And like little scrap bits of plastic, I think I actually I actually have some old 3D printing supports that I use for that purpose, like the you know the, the discs that get stuck to the printing plate. But yeah, that that's something I've done before. Is if I'm am gluing down the model to the base before adding texture paste or sand or whatever, yeah. sometimes I have added a spacer underneath the boots. Give them that a little extra bit of height, extra confidence. You put the mud under then it, you put the texture based on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not yeah. a bad idea. That yeah. actually reminds me of a, a video that Luke did. He gave me um, mm-hmm. where it, it like the whole thing was well, you know, you're doing your slot of bases wrong, right? You've been doing it wrong the whole time, and it's like usually we put the thing in and it kind of jumbles around. You just fill it with glue and whatever, and then you have the same issue where the boots are in the mud or the dirt or whatever right right well he he like kind of bent the middle a little bit and had it sliding so it kind of stuck and then it was just a little bit give him just a little bit of height just a little bit of height that he could slide that mud underneath yeah like that totally made sense to me it was great sure yeah so yeah no spacers no nothing obviously it's working with older models and slaughters and stuff so um, yep. We don't have the same advantages anymore of that. Yep. So there's there's also this issue of mechanical durability yeah. of, okay, so a slot of base model glued into a slot of base, very solid. Very That's solid. not going anywhere. Yeah. Now, if you cut your model off of the slot of base and you're trying to put it onto a base later on with super glue, mm-hmm. that is less solid. Yes. You, of course, have the option of getting out your, your drill and doing some pinning, and that helps a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, speaking <laughs> speaking of that, you know one person who always does that method of building a cool base? <laughs> there you go. And then pinning the model to the base? You yeah. do it, Casey. Is, you do it. No, this is such a good segue. I'm, just, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I want to I hear you say it. <laughs> okay, you know who did this? I don't know if anybody rem- remembers the... The classic. I don't want to call them old. I've I've been told you guys are like if you're gonna, fifteen years old, right? Something like yeah. it. It's dudes been around. Yeah. Okay. So so we're talking about the YouTube channel by painted. Yeah. It's like this this, this European man who I, I guess used to do some commission painting. Yeah. And and film it, and a lot of really good YouTube tutorials, mm-hmm. and honestly, some of the earliest airbrush oh, heavy tutorials so. yeah, that I ever saw airbrush heavy. like like yeah. does everything with the airbrush like instead of mm-hmm. instead of like dry brushing some texture on the base we'll hold the base at like an <laughs> 80 degree angle yeah 
and 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 squirt you know kind of a little bit from the side the, to the get dude some... knows his angles a hundred percent oh for sure like yeah some awesome stuff yeah anyway he <laughs> like he would very often do the bases separately and yeah texture paste on the base you know put some different colors on it and then again instead of dry brush highlighting hold the base at an extreme angle mm -hmm. away from the airbrush and just do a quick squirt you know almost side on to the base yeah to get like Pick just up that texture yeah just get the the northern face of some of the the sand grits uh highlighted basically mm -hmm. and would look would look better than a dry brush essentially it would look really <laughs> yeah. good look really good and but anyway he would paint his bases separately and he would pin the bottom of each feet and he'd decide where he wanted it on the base. And a lot of times he was using cork bases, like oh, built yeah. up a couple layers of that, yeah. that uh, cork board. And then just, yeah, drill some holes into the base and put the model exactly where he wanted. Two nice pins through the cork down into the plastic at the base. Beautiful work. Classic YouTuber. But he's back. He's that's, back. That's, that's the... The lead in here yeah. is Casey just Casey told me this half an hour ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bipainted is back. He is under the name Wargaming Zone, aka Bipainted. That's like the whole channel and name too. Wargaming Zone, aka Bipainted. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. And there are videos posted in the last couple of days and there's a bunch. He's he's already posted yeah. quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Some big projects. You were you were telling me that it's it's classic by painted. It is, it is like, not different at all. Like took a, took a eight year vacation, <laughs> yeah. came back, hasn't lost a step. I like mean, it, for all I know, I I might have to go back and look at some of the old videos, but it might be the same phone that he's using to record. I mean, he's just like, hey, this is my filming phone. Like, it's fine. It's all good. I don't know. Um, but the music I like to, is I the like same. to think he got that 4s. Yeah, exactly. Got, and that's probably yeah. what it was like back then. Um, man, it's, it's crazy. Like I used to watch that news videos all the time. And even it's funny because like he uses the same song in every video and it's on a loop and like, it does get old, but the videos are usually pretty quick and he's talking and he's showing stuff and it's fine. Um, but that was part of the inspiration I had for being like, I apparently I don't need tons of music for my videos. And I just had one song on a loop for like the it's first 20 videos on my channel. Yeah, so did Warhammer Masterclass. Yeah, it's not that. good. Oh man, I, that, that just gave me another thought though. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, it's it's great because it's the same angle, same voice, same music, everything. It's exactly what it should be and what it needs to be. And like the painting is really good. Um, I was I was pretty disappointed when he just kind of up and disappeared, but it was also part of the reason I even wanted to be on YouTube to begin with. Because, like, I really like this, and he's just painting models and having a good time. Like, he's clearly just doing, like, commissions. Um, that was yeah. a big part of the channel, but it's called Bi-Painted, after all. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, it was a big deal. I'm super glad that, that they're back. And I, I, I want to say it might be multiple people at this point. It's him painting, but I think it's, like, a studio somewhere that maybe opened up. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure. But either way, you, you should definitely uh, check that out. Welcome, welcome back, legend. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of another legend who just started their own YouTube channel, uh, Peachy. Peachy started 
his own very own YouTube channel called Peachy Tips. Peachy Tips. Yeah. Got a nice little uh, paint pot kettle logo. And he's, uh, right he's getting going in March. He's got like a preview yeah. video right now. He's already up almost, I think, at least by the time that we're talking about this, is almost 16,000 subscribers. I mean, he just posted hey, that's, that that's more than what going. we have on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's killing us already. Look yeah, <laughs> paint, paint bravely cannot compete with Peachy Tips. No, not at all. No. But, Especially when yeah. Peachy Tips has one forty-second video. Yeah, we're done for. Yeah, he was an employee at Games Workshop. Then he was an employee at the painting phase, and now he's he's striking out on his own. Peachy Tips. Yeah, possibly peachytips.com. Don't don't quote me on that. I mean, I'm, I can't imagine. I'm gonna hope. Oh, you know what? Yeah. We should check co. It and, uk. Yeah, there you go. Let's <laughs> see if that domain is taken and just quickly buy it up. Seven dollars. Yeah. Are. So, um, if you're listening to this, uh, make sure to buy. <laughs> I can't even. No, no, no. no, no. We need to edit this out because what if somebody doesn't? Nobody no, would no, no. do that. Oh no! Nobody's what if, what if we're the reason that. why Peachy can't get the URL? <laughs> No, because he'll just take he'll take the <laughs> not cool, not cool, hey, not cool. Peachytips.com. Peachy or he has okay. to be like he has to be peachytips.nz or something <laughs> like yeah. Dot okay. So peachytips.co.uk. Uh... Oh, that's interesting. It's available. Nope. <laughs> it is not available. And I don't know what it is, but it's uh it's some kind of Is uh, there is there a man main man Chris Peach? Nope. It's a football and soccer webpage with the subtitle just the tip because anything more is cheating. <laughs> yep. Good good job naming your channel, Peachy. Good job. <laughs> That's peachytips.co.uk. And peachytips.com is not taking I maybe I I might have to email him and just be like, dude, you need to like Okay. Yeah, we we're we're recording this a couple days out from posting it. So well, look, we I, are I'll going to uh, so like yeah. if he doesn't get on it by then. <laughs> yeah, if this if this episode is out on Monday and Peachy hasn't claimed uh peachytips.com well and it's then it's really a roll of the dice whether a, a white hat or a black hat is going to take it for him, take it for him or take it from him. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like we might have just shot Peachy <laughs> in the foot and also the knee and also his other knee no. and uh, slapped him around a bit. No. And we're, we apologize. Peachy tips not biz. Yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> As is tradition, we will. Uh, We'll include an apology to Peachy in almost every one of our videos. And... It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> We're just going to have a, a list of the people we need to apologize to. Like our, yeah. our viewers, our listeners, uh-huh. Peachy uh-huh. of PeachyTips.nz. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, the .co.uk, okay. like, that's clearly taken. Um, yeah, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a problem with some football hooligans, is what that sounds like. I, like that's I that's gonna be a whole other saga. Yeah, yeah. well, we'll have to keep an eye on it. It'll just be one another another ongoing story on Paint Bradley the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. well, that's good. So, um, you know, the, I'll say one more thing on bases. 
I did my texture bases up separately. I'm a little curious whether or not my boots are all going to find great, nice, solid places to right. stick on there. I gotta, I'll have to play around and, you know, figure out my, my most solid footing because yeah. it's not a flat surface anymore. We've got texture paste and rocks on there. I, I mean, know. you oh, could pin them. Got, I got some rocks on there. I don't know. Yeah, I could pin them. I, but I don't anyway, know. that's I don't what like that's. Models very much. I like, if it's a big yeah. enough model, I will yeah. pin it. And if it's at a weird angle or if it's on something, like, yes, that is great. But, like, the way that, that um, just bringing it back to, to be able to buy painted, right? Like, dude puts, like, full-on, like, two-inch paper clips on the bottom of every model and, like, yeah. puts them on cork and then paints the bases separately like That's that. Right. And then That's right. takes the, those paper clips and slides them all the way through and then, like, bends them over underneath the base, which I've tried several times and I... I don't know if I need like smaller needle nose pliers or something, but it never quite works the same way. I just end he's up. He's got a system. He does. And it's, it he works. knows what he's doing. Yeah. 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 The dude knows what's up. Heck yeah. And I don't know if I have anything more to say about bases or yeah. European painting channels or That's really all I have to say about soccer that. hooligans. <laughs> the, the weird thing is it's, it's a co.uk web address and the first picture that comes up is an american football oh i, I see what you're saying okay. okay yeah but there there's also then a football underneath that football it's i don't know i think it's some stupid like probably scammy something or other non-existent just to hold the name for no reason site but i don't know yeah Doesn't i mean we were giving him we were giving him other names other than PG Tips, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It is a good name. PG Tips is a I good name. Maybe it, maybe sure. that's why your your soccer hooligans. Your no, your gridiron football hooligans it's both. took it. It's literally both. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's well, a lot to think about. It, it um, is. But we do wish him yeah. the best of luck because uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with all your friends. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening. We will. Talk to you next time. <laughs>